Welcome back to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast dedicated to patients, healthcare, innovation, and technology. I'm your host, Kate Rubin. This episode takes a closer look at accessibility. While we may be familiar with modifications in the physical world, like ramps, braille signs, and audible pedestrian systems, accessible digital products remove barriers to allow full use of digital information. Joining us is a member of our experience design team doing important work in this space, Lauren Walleman, UX lead. Let's get started. Lauren, it's great to have you on the podcast. Leading up to this episode, I've been thinking about accessibility and how it goes hand in hand with inclusivity, how it's meant to accommodate and eliminate obstacles. Can you tell us a little more about what accessibility is and who it applies to? Yeah, and first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this with you today. Um, so just to talk about what accessibility is, in the simplest terms, it's it's really the practice of making sure your product or in the digital space that your content or your website can be used by as many people as possible. Um, as a UX designer, there's also the user experience perspective, and um, that includes just making sure that people, all people, are able to have a similar user experience. To go even further, if we think of accessibility, um, our primary audience is really people with disabilities, um, and there are four main types of disabilities that we take into consideration. Um, there are visual disabilities, which include things like blindness or low vision or even being colorblind. Uh, there's also uh, hearing disabilities, which is uh, uh, people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Um, there could be mobility and dexterity disabilities, which are things like it could be an injury or you could have something more severe like a progressive condition like, like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease. Um, and then there are also cognitive disabilities, which um, are more like a disabilities that affect things like memory or your learning. So why is it so important to be aware of accessibility, perhaps from a, from a brand's point of view? So we just spoke about how accessibility is beneficial to people with certain disabilities, but really it's valuable and beneficial for everyone, including businesses and brands. Um, so if we follow best practices, um, we're also benefiting just society and, and people in general, even those without disabilities. Um, for example, we can consider an older population who may not be considered disabled, but who may have uh, lower vision or are losing hearing over time. Um, there's also people who may have a lower literacy level or may not have English as their primary language and are benefiting from some of those assistive tools or um, best practices. Um, in terms of businesses and brands, uh, accessibility practices can definitely help improve things like SEO. Um, accessibility, just following those practices helps ensure our web content is, is accessible to things like search engines in addition to people. Um, and it just, it just helps us serve a broader audience overall and just be more socially responsive and inclusive. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because in general, we often think of accessibility in terms of physical access. So ramps, braille signs, 
And I'm thinking that maybe some of our listeners might not be as familiar with digital accessibility. And you talked a bit about SEO, search engine optimization, um, and other forms of digital tools. Can you also just give us sort of a broader scope of what digital accessibility looks like? Yeah. Um, so just to give a little more of a, of a history before we go into the tools, it's been really interesting. So when the, the Americans with Disabilities Act first came around in 1990, the focus was mostly on things like physical accommodations. So making sure workplaces and businesses and transportation were physically accessible to all people. Um, but with our, our culture and society that's becoming more and more digital and we rely more on the web, we definitely have had to carry some of those same principles over into the digital space. Um, so now we have a web content accessibility guide um, that outlines guidelines that are specific for web and digital content. In terms of tools, there are many, many tools in addition to the guidelines that help people with disabilities access content in the digital space. Um, for example, many people rely on their keyboard to navigate if they can't use a mouse or a trackpad. Um, and those same people are often using screen readers that help uh, communicate the information on our websites or digital spaces. We also have other tools like pointing devices or voice recognition or magnification tools. So just considering all of those different tools that are available, it's also super, super important that the content that we're creating is compatible with all of these different technologies. Yeah, it, it seems like our daily lives pre-pandemic were already increasingly digital. And now, bam, you know, with the pandemic going on, we're relying so much on these digital tools as we spend more time at home. So it is really interesting for, for those who might need additional help on web design or some of the um, tech that that's out there, you know, these forms of accessibility can help sort of break down those yeah. barriers. For sure. Um, let's talk tools. I know we've talked a bit about um, some of the different features available on digital for accessibility, but what tools are available for, for you and your team, as well as for users to ensure the best user experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there are more and more tools becoming available as the time goes on and as accessibility is is getting more, more traction and awareness. Um, some of my favorites are, for the user specifically, some tools that you can actually add onto your website once it's live. They're like plugins or widgets that the user can use that actually allows them to do things like change the font size or change the contrast. Um, or zoom in or out. So even if maybe you're not meeting all of the accessible requirements by default on your site, you can use these tools to help make sure those options are at least available for your, for your users. Um, for my team, there are also a few tools that we like to use. Um, some tools that, again, we use on a website that's already live that helps us sort of audit the current state of um, of the site. So we can see if there are certain accessibility requirements that aren't being met or if they're already doing a good job. And some of those things are, again, things like color contrast or even checking for things like alt text. Um, 
it just helps give us a baseline to help give us some understanding and ideas on how to optimize going further. So there's actually a tool that will grade websites? It, in a way, yes. It, it'll pick up certain <laughs> certain pieces of the guidelines. You kind of have to make your own assessment of it in terms of a grade, but <laughs> it's definitely a great starting point. Wow. There are, there are also some tools as we move into the design phase of a project. So uh, some of the designers on my team are using plugins um, or websites that, again, help you plug in your, your color combinations and, and make sure you're, you're following contrast guidelines. Um, you can also test colors for different types of color blindness and make sure whatever combinations you're using are, are compatible with, with all types of color blindness. Wow, that's fascinating. So you really are able to tackle it from so many different avenues, really, to ensure that it is a positive experience for all. Yep. Wow. You had mentioned the accessibility guidelines. How do they affect your designs? That's definitely where those uh, web content accessibility guidelines come into play. Um, the guidelines cover a range of things like um, there are some guidelines for content specifically, like making sure your content is easy to understand and follow. Um, there are some guidelines for visual design, like making sure our text is large enough to read, we have enough color contrast, uh, and white space. And then there are even some for developers just to, again, make sure that the content and products we're creating are super compatible with different assistive technologies. And that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Um, there are many guidelines that affect all three of those aspects of our, of our work. But the guidelines are definitely in place to make sure we're making the right creative decisions throughout our entire process. Yeah, I, I just had a thought, you know, when you think about the creative decisions, it sounds like your team is now becoming a bit more proactive with adding these accessibility tools in versus reactive. So it sounds like more, a bit earlier in the process, you're thinking through these things. Yeah, and I think these things apply at any stage of our process, um, as early as the content strategy and research uh, phase of a project, all the way through to content development, design, um, and execution. There are definitely considerations along the entire pathway, and um, it definitely does not need to be a last step or a consideration after the fact. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned research, do the demographics of maybe some of the brands that you're working on play into the accessibility? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in addition to just being aware of the general best practice and, and guidelines for accessibility, um, it's also, to your point, really important to understand our audiences, um, especially in the healthcare space where we are creating products for patients who may have a condition that affects their mobility or their vision or, or cognition. Um, so any additional awareness around the specific needs of our patients and, and users can definitely help ensure that we're following the right guidelines and creating the best experience. You led me into my next question very nicely. Um, <laughs> so how do we at Patients and Purpose craft accessible user experiences? There's a lot of ways we could be crafting accessible experiences. Um, just starting from the earliest phase of the project, like we mentioned, if we're doing any sort of brand strategy or research, whether it's market research or 
just understanding our, our broader audience or even if it's usability testing, we can include prompts around accessibility to help us understand what any sort of existing pain points are or any thoughts and desires that they want to see come to life. We can use those insights to help us craft a great experience going forward. We've also been doing some enhancements to our site's, you know, little little things that go a long way to our to our users that help uh, enhance the experience. Some of those things are like always using captions or including transcripts along with any of our video content um, so that users don't have to rely on an audio-only experience. So if we have someone who's deaf or hard of hearing, they could read the content um, or a screen reader can help translate that content back to them. We also take color contrast and font size into consideration. We want to make sure that any colors are easy to see and our text size is, is large enough and easy to read. Um, and we recently even added something like a text resizer to one of our sites so that users can adjust the size of the text on their own and size it to their liking. So a lot of little things can definitely go a long way uh, in helping the experience. I'm wondering from a mobile standpoint, I know more and more users are turning to their phones to um, consume content. Uh, and then there's also the thought of responsive design. And for those of our listeners that are unfamiliar, a responsive web design automatically adjusts for different sized screens and devices. So I'm wondering, are there any considerations for accessibility related to mobile or responsive web? Yeah, that's a great question. Um... There aren't a lot of best practices specific to accessibility for mobile, but definitely the challenges that come with designing for a smaller screen apply to all audiences. Um, just a couple things that come to mind are um, ensuring things like your buttons and links are large enough to tap, which we, we do in general for all of our, our users, but especially for someone who may have issues with dexterity or, or need help pointing to something very small, having a large tap space just helps navigating and accessing content uh, become more easy and seamless. Um, also, when you're designing for a smaller screen in general, we, we need to make sure that the content is as clean and as focused as possible. Um, and focus is also something that's really important in designing an accessible experience. We want to make sure that the content is just scannable, easy to pay attention to, and again, just as, as clean as and easy to navigate as possible. Well, I I know that um, my my dad, who has you know big thumbs, he's always complaining about the size of buttons and things. So when you you mentioned l larger clickable buttons and just uh, features like that, I I'm sure he is um, smiling at, at home right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. You could tell your dad, too, fun fact, um, that iPhones, I'm sure every phone, but I'm thinking of iPhone, has a lot of built-in accessibility tools um, that you could use and really are beneficial, again, to everybody. Um, but in some of the settings in your phone, you can change things like um, color settings, you could make your text larger, um, or even using Siri, uh, any sort of voice assistant can also be considered uh, an assistive technology. I'll make sure that he listens so that he can uh, <laughs> tweak accordingly. Um, 
With all of the work you've done around accessibility, I'm curious if you've encountered any myths or misconceptions that you'd like to now take the time to debunk. Yeah, this is a fun question. So um, I definitely don't want anyone to think that accessibility makes our products ugly. Although there are a lot of guidelines to consider, um, none of them are meant to hinder the overall design or branding of our projects. Um, I think just having the knowledge of what the guidelines are upfront can help us really fit them in in the best way possible. That really goes along with our campaign and our visuals rather than disrupts them. I also don't want anyone to think that following the guidelines is hard or expensive. Um, again, if, if we are working our hardest to incorporate these guidelines throughout every step of our process, it really just should be something that we do along the way versus having to add on as something extra at the end. I love that, yeah. And then just to retouch on who accessibility is for, I just want to reiterate that it doesn't it doesn't help only a small group of people. Um, it really does affect everybody and benefit everybody and helps us become a more inclusive agency and helps our clients and, and our projects become more inclusive as well. So it really is a valuable step to include along the way. Have you received any feedback from uh, projects that you've worked on from maybe even users themselves um, sharing their their thoughts on what's been done on the website or through you know any of the digital projects that you've worked on? It's definitely become more top of mind for our clients. Um, more and more clients are asking about it earlier on in the process and asking what we are doing to consider that or specifically asking for audits or optimizations for an accessible audience, but we've also started to, you know, as we think of some of these enhancements, if we do have the opportunity to do things like usability testing or research, um, we have been able to prompt and ask some questions around some of the value of the enhancements that we're making. Um, we did that specifically for the text resizer tool that I mentioned and got a lot of positive feedback, so ultimately decided to include that in, in our update. That's awesome. I'd love to look to the future. I, I feel like there's so much, so many great things going on right now for accessibility, particularly in the digital space. And I'm wondering, uh, since you're so close to it, what you think the future of accessibility looks like? Yeah, I'm really excited for the future of accessibility. Um, as we just talked about, there are more and more tools and resources that are available. Um, both for our users and for ourselves as we continue to learn learn more about the guidelines and best practices. There's also just been more awareness on social media or more books that are coming out, even like fiction or, or short stories, just to help really, really help us all get some new perspectives and, and learn about different challenges that are, that are happening for those um, in the community. My hope overall is that, like we we're talking about, that these principles are, are no longer considered modifications and we're, we're not sort of thinking of it retroactively, but instead we're thinking of it as part of the norm and something that we are always considering as we work to become a more inclusive uh, agency just in everything that we do. Absolutely. 
And for those that are interested in learning more about accessibility, because to your point, it is very important and it should be the norm. Uh, what can they do? Where can they go? Yeah, there are a lot of resources available. Um, I've been a fan of searching through LinkedIn Learning, if you have access to that. Um, also, just following any sort of accounts on social media, just again, to help you gain some additional perspectives. Um, one particular account that I've been following is run by um, Alice Wong. She's been very active in, in the space, and she also has a great book that I'm starting called Disability Visibility um, that has a number of short stories, again, just to, to help give you a more well-rounded perspective and help understand what some of the challenges are that people with disabilities face. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those educational tips, tools, books, all of that good stuff. I really think that um, our audience, you know, and all, all of us could benefit from tapping in and learning a bit more about accessibility and how we can do better. I'm so glad your team here at Patients and Purpose is making accessibility a priority, not an afterthought. And um, Lauren, I just wanna thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it's been really fun to be able to talk about this with you. And I've so enjoyed learning about accessibility and how we could use it to make our work even better. Thanks. New technologies continue to push the definition of accessibility. Making digital accessibility a priority helps show your organization's commitment to creating a positive experience for all users. As always, stay tuned for more updates and perspectives from PMP by following us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and all your other favorite social platforms.